Welcome to the Human Experience Podcast, the only podcast designed to fuse your left and right brain hemispheres and feed it the most entertaining and mentally engaging topics on the planet. As we approach our ascent, please make sure your frontal, temporal and occipital lobes are in their full upright position. As you take your seat of consciousness, relax your senses and allow us to take you on a journey. We are the Intimate Strangers. Thank you for listening. What's up, folks? Xavier Katana here, and you are listening to The Human Experience. We have a massively informative and crucial conversation here with Mr. Andrew Marr of the Warrior Angels Foundation. Andrew founded Warrior Angels as a nonprofit to help the veteran community and to create awareness of traumatic brain injury. In this episode, we cover the gamut of what traumatic brain injury is, from its potential causes to its symptoms to Western medicine's lack of proper diagnosis for this disease. And then near the end, we get into some practical, actionable ways in which you can directly affect your everyday life if you're encountering some of this struggle. If you appreciate the content that we deliver on a daily basis, get to our homepage, thehumanxp.com slash donate, help us cover server costs. Otherwise, get to our Twitter page at the human xp also get to find us on facebook and give us a like there we're running a contest that i'll let you guys find for the winter solstice i think you guys will really enjoy it and i highly recommend checking out andrew mars work thank you guys so much for listening this is a phenomenal episode the human experience is healing traumatic brain injury with my guest today, Mr. Andrew Marr. Andrew, my good sir, it's a pleasure. Welcome to HXP. Xavier, happy to be here. Big fan of the show since the last time we talked, so I've got a chance to uh, check you out in a lot of the uh, episodes. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Love it. Yeah, brother. Um, you know, it was clear to me when we first met that we needed to bring you onto the show, and not not only your your own experience with the special forces, but just the clarity that you express when you're talking about traumatic brain injury. I'd like to just set the foundation for how you got into this work. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background? Yeah, I was. Uh, I grew up in Texas. I was an athlete. Was a college athlete. I graduated in the summer of 2006 and kind of thinking, you know, what, what am I going to do with my life now? Because I just, you know, I had visions to go into the NFL and, and that didn't pan out. And so the kind of the, the logical step for me was to uh, jump in and, and join the military. You know, I was aware of what happened uh, are the results of the consequences of, of 2001. And, you know, I was kind of pursuing my own interest going to school and, you know, playing sports. And it kind of weighed on me. But I said, well, at least, you know, I, I'm actively engaged. But when, when that, that story ended, I felt a strong desire to go and, and to serve something bigger than myself. And, you know, I thought my talents uh, you know, and my leadership abilities could, could, you know, do well in the military. So I looked at, you know, all the different branches and definitely knew I wanted to go into special operations, uh, looked at the army, uh, special forces, the green berets. And I really liked 
liked their mission. I liked that their guys seemed to be uh, more mature and, you know, relied on kind of being autonomous and thinking outside of the box and not going with the status quo, kind of like the the opposite of what you think about when you think about the rank and file military. And I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, that sounds like something that uh, would be more in line with uh, my strengths. And so, you know, I jumped in uh, and uh, Graduated August of 2006 from college. I enlisted in October of 2006 to go uh, right into basic training and then went right into the Special Forces training pipeline, which took uh, two and a half years from the start of that to being fully functional Green Beret. Hmm, yeah, and but you founded the Warrior Angels Foundation, and you're doing a lot of good work there with helping veterans. But you, as this Special Forces combat engineer, you experienced this traumatic brain injury I mean, over and over. With I mean, what were you doing specifically in regards to explosives and, and what they found out with your, your brain later? Well, Part of my job uh, as being a, an engineer on the teams was dealing with uh, explosives. Um, so I was a demolitions expert, and so that I was dealing with IEDs, improvised explosive devices. I would either disarm, disable, or, or blow it in place uh, in, in combat. And then we w- I would uh, place charges on, on whatever we needed to uh, to, to destroy, so to speak. And uh, part of that role had me as a what, was, what we call an explosive breacher. And so I would uh, make a surgical explosive charge to place on a denied point of entry, be it a door, window, you know, wall, whatever the, the situation called for. Then we'd blow it and go in and, and do our jobs. And so, you know, that life, we didn't make any correlations really between the head trauma and explosive blast waves and all of the symptoms, signs and symptoms that we're now seeing kind of rampant through the, through the veteran community. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, there wasn't any, anything, it, the awareness wasn't there, but you know, I was a college football player too. And it just, it wasn't thought about, you know, you got a concussion, you went on the sidelines and then you got some water and you went back in. There just, there wasn't anything thought about it. We just didn't know, you know, as uh, probably as counterintuitive as, as it sounds, you know, it's not a good idea to bash the head around. Um, and so an operator is literally in and around thousands of uh, explosions, you know, through training and prep work and then doing the job, uh, downrange. And so sometimes in very close proximities, we know now that repeated exposure to that concussive blast wave Mm -hmm. can, is very detrimental to, you know, the well-being of the brain. So the brain is cased or housed in cerebral spinal fluid and we know that an explosive, uh, the blast wave that's propagated from an explosion moves outward in a 360-degree direction, and then it fills up every air-filled organ you know, of the body. So as it passes through you, it's transferring that energy, and it's literally knocking the brain back and forth against the skull, and that can cause what we call DAI, diffuse axonal injury. Mm-hmm. And basically it means shearing, shearing of the neurons and shearing of key blood vessels and, uh, and things of that, of that nature. And it pretty much it goes unseen, right? Because it's inside, you can't see it. So nobody has any problems. It might not be that there's any problems right after that happened. Uh, it's a repetitive process over time where it gets to be like, okay, it's, a, it's building up and it's like, a, you know, there's 
brain injuries are like snowflakes. There's no two injuries. Mm -hmm. And then when you repeat it over and over and over again, that's when we start having these detrimental effects. There's two parts to a TBI. The first one is blunt force trauma, be it explosive blast wave, acceleration, deacceleration, uh, getting hit in the head, falling, roller coasters, you know, these types of things. Falling off a ladder is really common. Uh, I think the most common way to get a, a traumatic brain injury. And uh, so that's the initial phase one of the injury. The second phase is post-traumatic inflammation, post-traumatic neuroinflammation, and fancy word that means swelling of the brain. And the thing is, Xavier, that can happen a week, a month, or years after the first injury that can start to becoming uh, manifesting as, as a real problem. And here's why. The, the brain starts to swell, and what that does is it creates this chemical cascade that is very necessary in the acute injury. Mm -hmm. But if it goes unchecked and it becomes chronic through a process of called cavitation, it begins to move and swell out into other portions of the brain. And that's causing the death of brain cells. And so it's that slow brain cell death that mounts. So at first it might ca not cause any problems. You might not miss a beat. But over that period from that inflammation growing through cavitation and more and more brain cells being damaged – that's when we have all of a sudden somebody has a all these neurological deficits and these behavioral uh, and cognitive problems that kind of come out of the blue. And they're like, we don't understand why Johnny has all these new problems because we can't correlate it to anything. But all of a sudden he's having these new issues. And that's a lot what goes on with, with a brain injury, the silent part, so to speak. That's why it's, it's so difficult for a lot of people to understand, be it the, the person that had the injury or the, you know, their family. Hmm, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense, and and you're touching on why it's it's known as a a two phase injury, and and a lot of the times it seems to go undiagnosed by other traumas, both in you know civilian life as well as with combat veterans uh, like yourself. In civilian life, what can cause these these TBI events to take place? And I mean, what's and also what what is Western medicine doing and not doing? to address this? Well, great questions. I think first, you know, it's good to kind of define what is a, a traumatic brain injury. And it's basically any period of a complete loss of or decreased sense uh, of consciousness, but it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to be uh, knocked unconscious. All right. So then you can, it goes to any memory loss relating to the event before or after the injury. Neurological deficits like loss of balance, coordination uh, disruption, problems with vision, changes in speech, language, cognitive issues, uh, sensory loss. And then any alteration uh, in a mental state at the time of the injury, such as confusion, disorientation, uh, slowed thinking, you know, difficulty concentrating. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's it's kind of a broad term there. And again, there's, I think, 5 million traumatic brain injuries in the U.S. every year. But again, that's only the ones that go to the emergency room. So a lot of times, I know we've all probably experienced something similar to that. And by definition, any alteration in brain functioning, be some of those things we just said, can result in being from a traumatic brain injury. And we know that, that those negative consequences can, can then happen later on. But it goes back to what's called a neuropermissive environment. And so what we need the brain and the body to be in is that neuropermissive environment, which is 
an enriched and balanced uh, lifestyle where you can uh, have neuroplasticity. And neuroplasticity means basically that your brain can regenerate, it can uh, make new neural connections and rewire itself. So neuroscience tells us that the neurons that fire together, that wire together. So learning something new, something novel, and then personalizing it, that is going to, by definition, be able to rewire the brain. And that neuropermissive environment is going to allow for neurogenesis, so the creation of new brain cells, synaptogenesis, the synaptic connections that we make, and then store, uh, steroid uh, genesis, which can lead to positive epigenetic changes. Um, on the flip side of that coin, when we have a non-neuropermissive environment, that is the exact opposite. So something has caused the brain to not be in that balanced state where neuroplasticity, neuroplasticity cannot uh, happen, neurogenesis, synaptogenesis, steroidogenesis is all stymied. And it comes down to three things and three things only. And disease basically comes down to three things as well. Mm -hmm. And that's trauma, toxins, thought. Trauma, toxins, or thought. And so for traumatic brain injury, for instance, we know that, okay, that trauma comes from kind of some kind of a blunt force injury, and then that leads to the two-step process. Blunt force injury, inflammation, and then we now know inflammation can lead to the deregulation of hormones, hormones produced both in the brain and in the peripheral glands as well. And when we have that downregulated, that dysregulation of hormones uh, secondary to the inflammation, again, that's where a lot of the problems we see uh, in our culture today, and specifically with people that uh, have suffered a traumatic brain injury. The way Western medicine uh, treats it, the way military, the military medical model treats it, is basically with medication and psychotherapy. Hmm. So when I first started having problems, you know, it was everything I was experiencing was completely foreign to me. So going from you know, a high performer in situations of life and death to uh, going to where I, I couldn't function. I was uh, having nervous breakdowns, anxiety attacks, became depressed, but I didn't have a reason to be depressed. I was doing the job I loved, I was married, I was married to the woman I loved. I, you know, I loved my family. I couldn't understand why all of a sudden I was depressed and why I would have panic attacks. Why would I cry in public with not having any control over it? You know, while all of a sudden do I have horrible migraines that lead to double vision, uh, blurry vision to double vision? Why can't I balance? Why can't I walk in a straight line? Why can't I remember how to drive home? You know, just all this, and it happened in a rapid succession. And so you go from being a high-performing individual to, to saying, hey, I need help. And what uh, we got was a bevy of, uh, psychotropic medications that in the end only further exacerbated the problem. So I went like, it, was, it wasn't like there was one time in my life where it was like, okay, this is a serious uh, head wound and we got to go to the hospital type thing. I was only knocked out unconscious once in combat and it was brief, you know, because I had to get up and uh, realize, okay, we're still fighting, so I better get back to work. But um, never thought, gave it much thought and continued to function at a high level th through the rest of that deployment. Mm -hmm. I came home and it was about six months later when I started having these issues and I woke up, found myself on 13 different medications. 
I was now an alcoholic. Our wife was pregnant with our fifth child, and her request of me was, baby, can you keep your drinking down for the day in case I go into labor so I don't have to drive myself to the hospital? Wow. You know? And it was kind of the first time I was like, what I've been you know, sold is not working. It's not working because it's not treating the underlying condition. And so all the medication, all the psychotherapy, it didn't do anything to improve my life. It just made matters worse. And then you add alcohol onto that. You add not being able to sleep onto that. You add the neurological deficit and now not, you know, uh, being consumed about uh, am I ever going to be who I, you know, thought I should be. I'm not going to be able to do what I thought I should do, and uh, people are wronging me, the system is wronging me, just you know, being caught up in the self. And that produces this massive non-neuropermissive environment that leads to all these detriments. And yeah. Yeah. you know, we started having guys, Xavier, committing suicide in special forces. And I remember when it first happened, and we, we were just baffled. We thought, uh, man, how how can that person who we, who is a, a proven leader in combat who makes decisions, um, you know, who's paid to make difficult decisions, how could he think that was the best decision? You know, what a coward. But it was kind of just ignorance on my part and our culture's part as a whole, just not understanding the effects that were taking on to these people. And it wasn't until I got in and I was in that downward spiral and I was like, my God, this is this is the reason things are happening. People are affected. They can't function the way they used to function. They put on all these medications. It makes things worse. They start drinking. They're affecting and treating their family. Uh, and the result is all kinds of negative outcomes. And But they don't want it to be that way. And they start to think, maybe it would just be better if I just checked out. And that's kind of when the light went off with me. I was like, my God, this is this is the cycle. And nobody's doing anything to fix it. So I was like, you know, if you don't like it, you fix it. So that's when we kind of started to find a way like, hey, how can we make a difference? How can we start, you know, changing the tide on this? And that was kind of the genesis, if you will, of the idea to start the Warrior Angels Foundation. Yeah, man. Wow. What a touching, heartbreaking story. And, you know, I, I feel like. I feel like you nailed a lot of different points that, that I that I was going to touch on, but you know your your own struggle and the, the struggle of other veterans that are that are coming back. They're serving our country. They're 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 fighting for our freedom. They come back and they get sort of tossed away by the Western medicine system that is just prescribing these pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, I, I suspect that most of these brain injuries don't show up on MRIs or CAT scans. So, you know, maybe it's a psychological issue. Maybe it's in your head. It becomes a very dismissive environment when you're going to a doctor and they're telling you that it's just, it's just your thinking, you're depressed. I mean, even for myself and this is difficult to talk about for me because there's one of my family members is going through this process and suffered a, a TBI and it's been the hardest three years of of my life there and another reason for me to really bring you onto the show and and create more awareness about this just because it seems like western medicine is just going the opposite way people do feel like they want to check out and and that's that's why you know we're we're having this conversation that's why we need to create awareness about this where do you think the most important step that that we can take to change this thinking or create awareness about this thinking 
Well, I think you just have to look at the process. And so if a person, an individual is put on an antidepressant and they're still depressed, then we, we need to start looking at alternatives. If you put a person on a anti-anxiety medication and they still have anxiety, then maybe these things are not the underlying condition. And so what what the Western medicine is now premised on is not preventative care, it's disease care mm. and symptom symptom management. And and I, that that's the issue. So what we need to do is to identify and then treat the underlying condition. And we're saying that science has revealed a way that we can do it objectively. And through that analysis, we'll be able to tell objectively, is there, you know, inflammation? Is there dysregulation of the hormonal production? Are there other things, other markers that are pushing out red flags for something? And we can start to triangulate and figure out, hey, where is the actual, really the leak in the dam at? And let's go right there and figure out how to fix the problem and then get that person back on to, you know, having a quality of life. So going from no quality of life to having quality of life. And again, it always goes back with identifying and then treating the underlying condition and then treating everybody as an individual. So they need we need a personalized approach because no two people are the same. No two injuries are the same. So they're going to need what might work for one person or, you know, we're talking about a reference range for a laboratory analysis. If a person, a healthy 30 year old male comes in and says he's suffering from depression and other th- and uh, and uh, other issues, neurological issues and uh, behavioral issues like that, and we test his testosterone, and a normal level is between one and uh, or it's like two and nine, and he comes in at a two, then the doctor's going to say you're fine, you're within range, but a healthy thirty year old should not be at a two. He should be like at a seven or a six. And so we're, you know, that's what we're saying. Hey, these treat the person. Don't treat the reference range. Treat the individual. How's the individual saying? If there's nothing else in his life, then it was only logical for this, us to think that that might have be some part of the issue. And one of the things is, is like a lot of the, the imaging that we have today is phenomenal. fMRI, spec scan, PET scan. I think you hit on a couple of them, but they're not going to show the 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 uh, the damage to the neurochemistry. If there is a dysregulation or downregulation of the neurochemistry, and it may or may not show if there's inflammation there. And so if we can't get a really good grasp on that, that doesn't do us a whole lot of good. Now, if there's structural damage, absolutely, absolutely, we need to see that. We need to look at that. But the neurochemistry or biochemistry, that's what runs everything. Everything that runs in our body runs off our chemistry, biochemistry, neurochemistry. So it's only logical to think that would be the first step in checking that before we put anybody on any type of psychotropic medications or any other type of medication for that matter. I can feel the the passion and and just the sheer essence in everything you're saying and it definitely hits home for me and a lot of this feels like it has become sort of post collateral damage where these war veterans and and civilians even they're just being swept under the rug and as you said you know they're they're treating the disease through this this sort of process that is flawed. Enter Dr. Mark Gordon because I there's there's a intrinsic relationship that, that you guys have with uh, Warrior Angels. What is, what is Dr. Mark Gordon's role in what you guys are, are doing? 
Mark Gordon, Dr. Gordon is a neuroendocrinologist and um, a world-renowned one. And so he's the medical director for our foundation, but you know he's the medical director for his Millennium Health Centers. He's the medical director for CBS Studios. He's a uh, assistant professor at the USC School of uh, Medicine, Keck School of Medicine. So just a fascinating, really uh, forward-thinking guy who had suffered five traumatic brain injuries of himself. He kind of was put down or went down the same road. He was put on, you know, became depressed, had all these new things that were just completely out of character for him. And it wasn't until the 90s when um, some of the processes came around for uh, treating hormonal deficiencies or came were widely known. So he paid a lot of money, he went out to Las Vegas, uh, got checked, and he was deficient in three hormones. And uh, so once they replenished those hormones, he was back to his old self, living life again, going after a black belt, um, studying and, and speaking and lecturing again. And he started to understand that the, the neuroendocrine system played a vital role and the overall well-being of of ourselves, ourselves as, as humans, and that traumatic brain injury, injuries definitely could disrupt uh, that neuropermissive environment. And so, Dr. Gordon then went on to read uh, some literature that uh, I think it was uh, pugilist boxers in Turkey talking about the all the head trauma that they suffered and then the problems they had um, later on in life and they were found to be deficient in all these hormones and that was the first time like the light went off in his head okay he's like oh my god this is the direct correlation mm -hmm. and then he went back to his clinical practice and he started going to people that was basically unsolved files saying hey was there ever any head trauma you know in your life and a lot of times people would be unaware of it and they would say no and he's like, okay, well, you said here you broke your leg when you were 13. How did that happen? Well, I fell from a two-story building. He's like, you fell from a two-story building and you don't think that might have caused any head trauma? Mm -hmm. And he started thinking, my gosh, there's probably more to this than, than it's meeting the eye. And so then he started treating his patients through the Millennium Health Centers there, seeing if there would be any positive response. And a lot of the what we were seeing is if we can identify through the lab analysis, if they're deficient in, in uh, these ever important hormones and called neurosteroids in the brain, and, and there is inflammation, we can reduce, get rid of inflammation, uh, replenish the hormones, the quality of life improves. And he started seeing it across the board in his practice. And so then he started take, you know, playing a bigger role in this, went on into, into endocrinology and then into neuroendocrinology. And then that's where he's at today. He's one of the leaders and the pioneers in treating traumatic brain injury. And Mark got a hold of me um, when I was looking for different ways to, to treat my injury. And he said, hey, man. Uh, we've been doing this for a long time. We've been working with veterans here for like the last five years. Here's a uh, listen to this Joe Rogan podcast um, and see if this is anything that you're interested in. If you are, give me a call and we'll talk about moving forward. And I listened to the podcast. Uh, he had one of his patients on there, a former uh, Navy guy who, uh, man, had, had a really rough go, was uh, shot several times, blown up. Uh, had his jaw, like seven uh, screws and a couple of plates in his jaw, was just in a bad spot. He was on like 17 medications and had attempted suicide. Um, and then he found out about Mark's program, got on that. And today, uh, two years later, 
he's off all medications. He's living life again. He's screenwriting uh, out in Los Angeles. And what threw me away, what really threw me was like every problem that Matt was talking about on, on that podcast, I was like, that's me to the T. Mm. Everything he's saying is I'm having that problem. And then hearing Dr. Gordon talk about how all those problems are def- directly related to this two-phase injury that we're talking about, and then the downregulation of the hormones produced um, are completely to, um, are, are the, is how we account for all that. And it's like, therefore, it's a simple process. We get rid of inflammation and we replace, replenish through uh, to the natural physiological level of what that person should be, and we see incredible results. And that's exactly what happened with me, Xavier. We, we tried it out. Um, before I even got on a full protocol, Dr. Gordon was like, let's just give you a what they call a provocative uh, test of testosterone and see how you respond. And um, within three hours, for the first time in a year, I was without depression. I was without anxiety. And I knew it because I was driving south on the 405 in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Usually that would have just been a very difficult ordeal for me, just full of rage and, and anger and just not pleasant to be around. Mm-hmm. But I was having a great time. And I was like, holy shit, man. Like, maybe this is really working. Yeah. And things only continue to get better from there. So 18, two months, two years later for me, I'm off all medications. Um, I'm performing. I, I'm sober, been sober for two years. I'm performing as good, if not better, than my pre-injury status. But it's not exclusive to me. It's not a special or isolated incident. Uh, um, it's more the the standard that we're being able to produce, and we're doing it scientifically. We can predict, we can measure, and we can replicate. And now we've done it over 160 times through the Warrior Angels Foundation, and Dr. Gordon has over 13. Hundred documented cases through the Millennium Health Centers uh, out in Encino, California. That's amazing, man. I mean, what you guys are doing with the Warrior Angels is is truly remarkable. I really want to kind of rewind a little bit and get back to like TBIs and and the civilian aspect of of this. And is there a range of age groups where you find this more common? Is I mean, are 25-year-olds getting TBIs and not knowing about it until later? Does this manifest in a certain age group or demographic within the civilian group differently? I mean, how does that work? Well, the most acceptable to it is the very young and the very old. But again, it's an individualized thing, whereas if, if that brain has gone from a neuropermissive environment to a non-neuropermissive environment, that could take years to happen. So you could have an accident as an adolescent, and through that process of that inflammation continuing to kill off brain cells, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to come, all come to, the rubber's going to hit the road eventually, and you're going to be like, oh my God, I have problems, but I don't know why or I don't know how. That, that's what makes it a difficult to kind of understand. But I think the, I think it's not like we need to isolate any sect of the population and be overly cautious or overly worried about this. Mm-hmm. You know, we know that 44 million Children in America are playing sports. We know that the you know then the elderly we know our success uh, can can have this more easily easily because of prone to fall. 
But uh, just knowing that this, this can happen, that we can have a blow to the head or to the body, and this can produce this non-neuropermissive environment, it's important to know that we can take some really easy measures to ensure that the, that the body is ready for this and it can recover. And that's just making sure that you're taking things that produce a anti-inflammatory effects. Because if you can stop the inflammation from occurring, you can stop the further damage from ever happening. And so for the usually with the with the minor traumatic brain injuries, it's not the initial uh, trauma that's the problem. It's this inflammation over time that then leads to the deregulation of hormones. And so if you can put the proper things back in your body, the proper anti-inflammatory measures back in your body, you can stop the train from ever coming off the tracks. Hmm. And so that if I had would had known what I know now, I never would have had the problems because I would have had the right anti-inflammatory you know, pa- uh, preventative package to prevent this. And so it's really easy. In acetylcysteine, NAC uh, is what we've used with great success through the foundation. We know that um, vitamin E's, uh, stuff in high in vitamin E, to call it tocopherols, is uh, wonderful uh, for anti-inflammatory. Omega-3's are great and uh, we had a guy on uh, named Dr. Michael Lewis who calls it the Omega Protocol, but he suggests 5,000 milligrams a day of omega-3s for just preventative maintenance and putting healthy fats back in the brain. So, I mean, those are three really easy areas right there that people can take right now in any combination or by themselves that is going to be able to uh, reduce inflammation when and if it occurs. And so just by doing that, we know that we can uh, stop the big problems that we're having right now. And the Army even put out a study on this with uh, NAC and its incredible anti-inflammatory benefits in specifically dealing with uh, traumatic brain injury. And why they're not instituting it, uh, you know, it's, it's for them to say, but they're not instituting it. But the the, the science is out there. It's not even up for debate. Like we know these things stop the inf- inflammation from occurring or getting worse. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's truly, truly fascinating. So, I mean, these, these are just neurosteroids that change the neurochemicals in your brain and put you back into a state of balance, your hormones back into a state of balance? Yeah, so neurosteroids is kind of a new concept. Um, it was discovered, I guess revealed, I should say, by a Dr. Bailu out of Paris, France in 1986. And what he found was at the first time, that was when it was first found out that hormones are not just produced in the peripheral glands, you know, the testes, the ovaries, thyroid, things like that. It's also produced and synthesized in the brain. And these neurosteroids are produced in what's called the glial cells. So you have neurons and you have glial cells. They used to be thought that glial cells just played a supportive role in brain functioning in that they just held the neurons in place. And that was what was thought for a very long time. And then it turns out, oh, you know what? The These glial cells that take up 90% of the brain, they actually have a very big role. They can even turn on or turn off neurons. They are uh, responsible in producing the myelin cover, the sheath, that protects the adrenerons. It allows the electrical signals to pass back and forth, um, you know, the way that they should. It's responsible for 
uh, neurogenesis and synaptogenesis and all these other things in addition to producing, you know, hormones in the brain. And so think of neurosteroids produced in the brain as the microhormones and then what they call neuroactive steroids, hormones that are produced in the peripheral glands as macro hormones. And so macro is running the body. Micro is fine-tuning those neuroelectrical circuits in the brain. And when those are disrupted uh, through inflammation, through uh, diffuse axonal injury, through the, sh- the micro tearing and shearing that's caused by uh, explosive blast waves or traumatic brain injury, that causes that deficit, that causes those lethal, uh, chemicals to be leaked out and then to become deficient in them. And they're directly related to all of our behaviors. And so all of our... Um, neuro behavior and uh, neuropsychology and it's directly related so it just makes sense like when that no longer is able to be produced or heal itself then it can't heal the neurons the neurons can't uh, act right the neurochemistry can't act right and guess what everything else in your body and in your life is not in balance it's not the way it could be and it's now we now know it's directly related to these deficiencies in neurosteroids. And you know, Dr. Gordon is just in the clinical application of it, but he was able to hypothesize this without like going in the brain and saying, okay, well, here's an actual case where I can show these micro tears. It was kind of a hypothesis, but that was supported through the clinical application of what he was doing and already, you know, implementing the science that was already out there. But this year, a Dr. Pearl, who is a a uh, neuropathologist um, out at Walter Reed uh, issued a report about finding these new micro tears in post-mortem brains of soldiers with blast injury. Hmm. And he, it was in the Lancet. Um, so it's a well-established medical jo- journal out of England. And what the article went on to say was, that I have, he's, he said, I have never seen, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is the essence, I've never seen in the 40,000 other brains that I've looked at post-mortem any type of trauma like this that produced this type of micro-tearing in the uh, gray matter of the brain. And we know that that can be directly related to all of these behavioral issues that we're seeing in the military community, you know, oftentimes diagnosed as post-traumatic stress. And so the paper went on to say that we, he believes that post-traumatic stress is usually a misdiagnosis of, of physical injury, of brain injury. Hmm. Wow. You know, it, 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 it's interesting because this research, it, I mean, it's, it's relatively recent. I mean, the, just looking at my notes for, for this show, I mean, it was the mid-1990s. There were a couple neuroscientists in Europe that were able to define neuroplasticity or cortical plasticity. Before this, it was as if the brain was hardwired. There was nothing that you could do to change. I and mean, once your brain cells were gone, they were gone. And that was the sort of neuromysticism that was prevalent in our culture in our society and that that myth that is changing and we're you know we're learning more about the brain every day and 
And finally, the, the science is catching up to actually tr- start to treat these things. So which brings me to the Warrior Angels Foundation. This is a foundation that you created. It's a nonprofit. Why don't you tell us about this? Because I, I find the work that you're doing with this is, is phenomenal, game changing. Yeah, well, certainly appreciate that, Xavier. What we were doing was I just, I, I came so close to losing it all. But what was once, I, what I looked at was the worst thing that ever happened to me that could ever happen in my life is now the best thing that's ever happened to me and happened in my life. Because I had to go out and I had to look for new information. I had to challenge old belief systems or trusted belief system. I had to be able to rely on my intuition to say that just doesn't seem right to me. And so, you know, and I said was, I was told that, hey, this is the new you. This is this is what you have to expect. So basically, you're saying this is your new life sentence. Mm. And I refused to accept that. And I, I didn't give a shit that the doctor or any doctor said that. I went from seeing a neurologist to an endocrinologist to a hematologist to a psychiatrist to a psychologist, on and on and on and on and on. And, it, and nothing was getting there. So I said, I, there's got to be, I'm getting some missed bad information here. And uh, it's not adding up because I learned about neuroplasticity. And I was like, if there's neuroplasticity and the brain can rewire itself, then how could you tell somebody that they're going to remain the exact same? Um, And which they will, they keep thinking that. But if they start going and trying to look for new information and teach themselves something different, then they can rewire the brain. So it just didn't make sense to me. And so I went to look to the um, scientific literature and I started looking up at, you know, is there any correlation between hormonal deficiencies, which I knew I had, mm. and chronic blast wave exposure? Exposure, And my God, I found a lot of literature supporting that. And I was like, why, why is this not like being like the first line of, of effort? And, um, and so again, looking at like, okay, well, I don't just want to complain about it. I want to fix it. How can we fix it? And we wanted to come up with a system to do that. So that's why we started the Warrior Angels Foundation. We uh, enact the protocols. Dr. Gordon is the medical director that identify and treat the underlying condition for a traumatic brain injury. And we do it through a laboratory analysis. Then once that, uh, that analysis is reviewed, we get rid of inflammation and we replace or replenish the hormones, the, the neurosteroids that are needed. And guess what? Quality of life improves. I've got a hundred, over a hundred cases of it with people who were had on multiple uh, double digit medications and multiple attempts at suicide that are now back living a life to their fullest potential again, back out creating jobs, being a family man again, being a, being a wife, being a husband, being a father, being a mother. So incredible effects we're able to produce about it. Uh, our intent, Xavier, is to get these, uh, these protocols implemented into the DOD, that's the Department of Defense, and the Veterans Administration by 2020. But I want to say, man, we're, we're not just, you know, we're not uh, narrow focused only on veterans. I... But what we can do right now is affect what's going on in the veteran community. And you look at uh, trauma medicine, it usually comes off of the battlefield first. Those lessons are learned on the battlefield, and then they come over and they trickle down into the civil sector. And we benefit as a society from some of those hard lessons learned. That's my hope. That's my intent is that 
this this new road that we're we're uh, paving can make its way to the civil sector, and we can help this uh, problem with all of humanity, not just veterans. Yeah, absolutely, and I hear that, brother um, Andrew. For anyone listening to the show that that may be questioning, I mean, maybe they have someone in their life that that could be experiencing these symptoms, or maybe they're experiencing this depression and they they're recalling some sort of fall or injury or, or head trauma what do you what do you have to say to that individual and you know what is one thing if we can take one thing away from this conversation like what can we give to that person who is maybe listening and is unable to find the support and the care they need yeah well come to our website waftbi.org that's waftbi.org we have uh, a ton of a ton of information on there about the injuries, about for ways to to look look for help, and then you can get to uh, Dr. Gordon or somebody in his our affiliated physician network to see if you can get this treatment. And so that would always be you know you know number one is I would say hey man get the lab laboratory test and let's let's see you know what it says let's take some objective measurements and see if we can triangulate uh, or dial in the underlying condition uh, for your life but you know after that it's you have to decide as an individual if, if you're still at a functioning capacity somewhat that you need to decide that hey I'm going I want to live a life worth living and and from there you know things are start to uh, you need to change that mindset and from there, you need to define what, what, is, what is the reason that, that I'm doing what I'm doing? Is there a bigger picture behind it? And try to, try to tie your existence into a bigger why. And if you don't have a why, you don't have a purpose, then you can usually find a purpose by trying to serve somebody else. And my dad put it to me like this. I was having a real tough time. And he said, son, you know, I know you're having a hard time and I, I can't understand everything that you've been through. But I know that if you found a way to make your new mission about helping somebody else, put, find a way to put value back into somebody else, I think that will be able to help you. And really, Xavier, that's what saved me. It was understanding that I needed to decide to live a life worth living again. And then I needed to find a reason to do it. First, it was, okay, I want to get off this medication because I was medically retired. I can't be an operator anymore, but I'm still a husband. I'm still a father. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, I know there's a lot of people suffering out there through these same ordeals. Is there any way I can help them? And, you know, having that why again, going back for a reason to exist was the, was the reason I was able to kind of pull myself out of it. And I, I think that's universal. If we can find a way to make what we're doing in our life about somebody else, we'll start the the path to healing will be illuminated. Your own personal battle, Andrew, and and your you know the challenges that you've faced and your own living example of this recovery that, that you've made happen for yourself. Yeah, you know, and, and, and again it was it was I, I was at several crossroads and one of them was having to do with alcohol. And, you know, I was drinking just massive amounts of alcohol every day to, you know, try to function. And I was with a uh, functional neurologist in Texas. And he said, Andrew, we know that you've had a lot of head trauma, but the rate at which you're drinking is going to kill you quicker than anything else right now. 
And he went on to say, you know, what's more important to you? Is it your wife? Is it your five children? Or is it having another drink? You know, and I was like, well, you know, it's my wife and five children. He's like, all right, well, then you're going to have to make that decision. The next time you sit down and you want to have another drink, what's more important? Because you're going to have to make that choice every time now. And that hit me right between the eyes. And I just made the decision right there. Like, hey, man, it's either put up or shut up. Either my family is more important to me or drinking is more important to me. And that was 26 months ago. And I, I've been sober ever since. But I don't say that to highlight myself. I'm saying that we can all, we all have that power inside of us to come to that crossroads and say, I've had enough. And I don't care what it's going to take. I don't care how much money. I don't care how much time. I don't care if somebody says it can't be done. I want to do things better. I want to make better choices, have drive better outcomes, live a higher quality of life. And I'm telling you that it can be done and it starts with our thoughts and then it goes into emotions and it's produced as actions. And if you've had trauma to the pituitary gland, the hypothalamus, sometimes you can't uh, produce the right level of thinking that you need to. So now we know that we have these alternative means that we're highlighting today in the show that can definitely, we can identify it and treat it. So um, now, now that you know, you have the power, you have the information, you can act on it. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, man. You, you know, it, it is so important to have that self-actualization of wanting to make your life better and, and that proactive sense of, of okay, I'm, I'm going, I want to make a difference. And your philosophy of, I'm going to get this message out no matter what it takes, no matter how much it costs, that's huge, man. And, and that's, you know, that's why I respect your work so much. I definitely appreciate your time with me to, today. And I know that you're you're working on a, a show with Chris Albert with a Warrior Soul. Huge shout out to him. He's a good friend of mine. Tell us about the work that you're doing and, and more about where people can find you. I met Chris through another mutual friend of ours. Funny story. But, you know, what I was finding with the population that we were treating, uh, the uh, small population that were, even though we were shown to have a massive improvement in their in their laboratory work, they were still claiming to have problems. And that's when I started looking more into neuroscience and, you know, the the power of our thoughts and the power of our emotions. And what I found was, man, we can we can get rid of somebody's inflammation. We can balance their hormonal system. But if we continue to think the same unserving or negative thoughts, and those negative thoughts continue to bring up the same unserving and negative emotions, then we're going to continue to make the same unserving, unloving actions. And a lot of times, it's I found just because we don't have access to this information. I know I didn't before I started looking into it. I was like, really? Your thoughts can actually have the power to maybe make you sick? And they actually can maybe have the power to make you well? But then you look at the placebo effect and the nocebo effect. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a real thing. Yeah. Like uh, a new drug has to be shown to work better than the placebo effect. And I think it gets uh, written off oftentimes too much. And it basically says that, hey, this person was given an, an inert substance and they got better almost a third of the time in all studies. How crazy is that? So what that says is that person thought that they were going to get better and they got better. A nocebo effect says we gave the person the correct medicine. 
and they thought that it was not going to work. And guess what? It didn't work. And so what we wanted to do with the Warrior Soul was to bring out information that allowed uh, our audience to understand the importance of living their best lives and to change what they you know, don't like about their lives. And we can do it. We don't have to go find some guru or go uh, in the Himalayas. We can do it by going inside and saying, hey, man, like I need to be conscious of my thoughts. And if they're not producing you know, a positive effect, if they're not elevating me and elevating everybody I come in contact with, then I got to maybe think about how I'm thinking about things. Because and then you think, okay, a thought becomes an emotion, and emotion becomes an action. And if you're not happy with the, the quality of your life, then you need to go back and retrace those steps and start improving it. And so, you know, we're seeing a lot of that in the veteran community, and it's almost like a victim-type mentality. Yeah. And we just wanted to say, hey, man, like, we're in control of our lives, nobody else. And you have the power to do it. We're going to give you the information from the professionals that, you know, I'm blessed to come in contact with on a daily basis. And you can make, you can, again, be presented with new information and decide to apply it or not apply it, but at least you'll have information. And so that's, that's a whole, the, the thesis of our, kind of our, our forming together was, you know, trying to just come up with positive ways to, to impact the people that we come across. And uh, it's a veteran audience, but I'm told there's a lot of uh, other people that are, have nothing to do with the military that enjoy the show also. So if you want to check it out, it's the Warrior Soul podcast with my uh, amigo Chris Albert. Yeah, I can't recommend that enough. Chris is just such a warm guy. Him and Shauna, it's beautiful, beautiful people. Oh, Chris has a phenomenal story. You know, he was a successful entrepreneur, ran his own gym, hit the recession, uh, became homeless, was living out of his car, and he built himself back up slowly but surely. And now, again, he's uh, running several successful businesses. He's a social media, you know, guru and, um, you know, is producing a, a high-level podcast. So a really, really incredible dude, incredible story. And I know I cut you off there, Xavier. Sorry to do that. Yeah, no problem, man. I, I can't think of two better people, two better minds to join forces and create awareness about this. Andrew, where can people find the website, your work, Warrior Angels, uh, Warrior Soul? Give us the, the links. Yeah, we got, we got everything can be found on just one location, and that's WAF tbi.org from there you can navigate all our social media our podcast warrior soul uh, all the information as far as uh, on uh, on head injuries uh, you can see a lot of our testimonials and so hear it from firsthand uh, encounters other than my own about how this has been beneficial to somebody else's life we were a nonprofit a 501c3 so if you're looking for a nonprofit to support please do your homework on us and if it's something you think is worthy and something to get behind uh, we certainly would welcome and appreciate that beautiful perfect andrew thank you so much for your time brother i really really truly appreciate the work you're doing and just the the friendship man i thank you so much any any last words here before we cut no, out i want to want a shout out to you xavier thank you man and you know again it was uh in october when we linked up for the first time but i've dove into the podcast uh, deep. And man, this is just an incredible forum. So thank you, man, for throwing out new information, new ideas, you know, stuff that uh, I would never had access to before. I never would have thought to look at. So it's been a benefit to my life, which means it's been a benefit to my wife and to my children and other people I come in contact with. And so that's how we start making the world a better place. One by one, we just start trying to make the system better. And you're doing it, brother. So shout out to you, my man. Oh, uh, it's heartwarming man thank you so much 
guys, this is the human experience. We will make all the links and everything that Andrew mentioned available in the comments and the section below. This is the human experience and we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening.